Podcast ASMR is back, everybody. <laughs> Cheers. What's going on? Cheers. We got new a lot week, on the podcast episode. today. Yeah. Before we start, Hannah, will you tell everyone what the chapter name is? Birth, Death, and Betrayal. Under, under. King Jaehaerys I. So lots of drama to cover today. So glad to be back. Me too. It feels right. How do you feel? Excited. Ready. Yeah? Yeah, I've got a lot to say. We have a lot of news, too, to talk about today. So I'm just excited, and we've talked about this a lot, I feel like, over the last couple of months, but everybody who's working on the show is very excited about it. Mm -hmm. And I know that, you know, it's George's show, so he's not going to be sitting here, maybe he would be, complaining on his blog, I think this sucks. I would hope not. I think the most exciting news out of the Hot D update is that George is officially calling, (laughs) or at least acknowledging Hot D (laughs) That's officially on the canon now. <laughs> and um, let's get tattoos that just say hot tea. I'm down. Okay. I know where cool. to get it. And okay. at the very okay. end of <laughs> my favorite part of the update, we've all seen it. If you're li- since you're listening to this podcast, you've seen it too. But let's just talk about it right now between the two of us for five seconds before we get on to Jala and Alley. At the end of the blog post, George goes on to say, Wins, you say. Yes, still working. Finally finished a clutch of Cersei chapters that were giving me fits. Now I am wrestling with Jamie and Brienne. The work proceeds, though not as fast as many of you would like. That's all for now. Comments disabled. Even just a hint of wins is exciting to me. I don't even know what to say because, like, it's, you know, we didn't get, like, anything. Well, the last time we talked about this, I tried to break it down. I tried to break down his actual word choice because George is a person who writes words for money. And his choices are potentially uh, indicative of what the truth is, even though it's written artistically. So he says uh, he finished a clutch of Cersei chapters. Let's see what a clutch is. <laughs> Click define. Look up. A clutch. Well, we know that it's to grip, to grasp or seize something tightly or eagerly. Let's see. Adjective. Clutch one's pearls. It's all the same thing. A group of eggs fertilized at the same time, <laughs> laid in a single session, and then birds incubated. Yeah. A small group of people or things. A clutch of you. I mean, this is obvious. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. So, I mean, an update on the process of how the book is 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 right now. Literally, rather than it being something that's mysterious, is is very specific. It's it's not something that is conventionally happens. Right. And it hasn't happened for a while. Well, I was thinking, I mean, we've been so deep in House of the Dragon and Fire and Blood and so deep just thinking about that kind of stuff, you know? It caught me off guard in a little bit, only in the sense of like, oh my gosh, like Jamie and Brienne, yeah. Mm-hmm. We get to go back to them, mm-hmm. you know? I think that you and I just finished rewatching season eight mm-hmm. like two weeks ago. And so I think that that kind of brought us in a little. We kind of, we rewatched it just for the vibes yeah it's been the extended universe for mm-hmm. us for a while yeah and going back to the, the current timeline it's a, like a landing page you know like it, it feels like it's coming back to back to basics and so having just rewatched all of that and then this update coming through you know with these characters that we haven't talked about on the podcast in a really long time mm-hmm. jamie brand cersei i'm excited for the work to continue and i will wait as patiently <laughs> and as long as i need to i just so. realized it was the three of them and yeah, how they're so closely intertwined yeah it, <laughs> Okay, that's funny. That's funny. 
<laughs> okay. Well, uh, that made a lot of people feel crazy. Well, any update is just people, really exciting. Yeah, went nuts. Yeah. Went, but especially those three characters mentioned at the end of his blog post. Like, they were like, wait a second, updates on... And it's not even like an actual... Like, we don't know what's happening to him, but they're alive somewhere. They In are alive brain, somewhere. It's very yeah. thrilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So... That's cool. Lots of fun updates kind of... In that world. Oh, um, more extended universe. George is is a producer on a new show coming out on June twelfth on Sunday. Dark Winds, and that's the title that he tweeted or that was tweeted on his Twitter account uh, like a month, month and a half ago. That made people, including us, be like capital LOL uh-huh. <laughs> at the direct troll that we were all getting. Because like, wait, you say what? <laughs> Because we're all just using the web browser, control F, GRM space, wind. wind. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> or wind. just wind, wind singular. Yeah. Anyway, so watch that. I'm looking By forward to you, it. By the time you hear this, it'll, uh, be out. it'll be out. Are we ready to dive into the drama? Let's get dramatic. What an uh, eventful stretch of time. Especially that 54 AC, boy. During the course of his long reign, Jaehaerys would spend more days and nights guesting with one lord or another or holding audience in some market town or village than at Dragonstone and the Red Keep combined. And oft as not, Alisanne was with him, her silvery dragon soaring beside its great beast of burnished bronze. Five million things happened in this chapter. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, yeah. birth, death, and betrayal. It's like, it's hard for me to gather my thoughts and kind of, like, summarize all the things that happened because it was literally... Birth, death, birth, death, attack, fight, travel, travel, mad, someone's upset, fighting, you know, da 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 And then a, a miniature murder mystery on Dragonstone. Right, a little murder mystery, some poisoning, some money problems. I mean, this chapter was 0 to 100 on everything. And so I was thinking a lot about this because when we were with George in Santa Fe, and we will talk about this a lot more when we talk to him about Fire and Blood specifically. But he was talking about his writing process with Fire and Blood and how he had these, like, Jaehaerys' reign was nice and good. And then mm-hmm. he needed to kind of fill in the gaps for Fire and Blood. And I was like, you really <laughs> filled in the gaps yeah. of this chapter because we covered so much ground. It was exciting. And this happens quite a bit in Fire and Blood, where we're kind of going along with a storyline, and then there's a hard pivot to something else. And yeah. we just kind of go along with the storyline, and then there's a hard pivot. I think it's such an interesting way to tell this story. And it you know, was necessary in a chapter like this. And we were bouncing between so many different queens and so many different locations as Jaehaerys. And for the most part, Alice and were making their way, hanging with everybody in the kingdom. It did cover so much time that Daenerys had already been born. And so by the time Daenerys was old enough to be making an impact on everyone's lives, I guess they thought it was safe enough for her to go out. But I guess it was just really during her pregnancy that it wasn't okay. Some that scariness. That, uh, that they were able to travel. I thought whenever they were blocked from traveling right after they were attacked, right after Alysanne was attacked in Maidenpool, that that was probably... Like, that he couldn't go to the Eerie, mm-hmm. that Jaw couldn't go to the Eerie. I think that that was probably what he was most annoyed by for at least a second. He was like, my plans are canceled. Right. Not that his, his precious wife was... Right. And my baby <laughs> brutally were both attacked. attacked. And... Yeah, my unborn child. <laughs> Dang, I can't go to the Eerie. That's sort of how know. it seemed. But I know, obviously, that wasn't really the case. But at the same time, the, the a paragraph that followed it was like, and then his plans were canceled, da-da-da-da-da, and the king was, was blah, 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 blah. 
I mean, he, as that paragraph that I read, he's a man on the move. He likes to be among the people. And so yeah. I'm sure there was a little glimmer of... At the, at the beginning of the chapter, whenever they talked about how Aegon One wanted to do... When he he knew the same things, and I don't know if Jaehaerys learned this on Dragonstone or if it's part of his uh, instinctual brilliance that he got from coming up during the time of Magor and the the power that it fused within him, his particularly strong point of view. Either way, uh, George writes at the beginning of this chapter that Aegon I did the same sort of thing, except that whenever he did it, he would bring so many more people with him. And whenever he did all of those problems, I just like the matters of scale. And we get into matters of scale when, it's, when we're also talking about the construction of King's Landing, for example, mm-hmm. the reasons why we can't really make things better because these these things have already been built and the way that it would impact everyone else's lives is really based on the diffusion of the energy that it would take, but also the, the, the diffusion of the reality of the situation that we're already in. So that's that's kind of what happened whenever Aegon the First would go places. It's not just that he was visiting and he was trying to be the, a particular kind of king and this is just the choices that I've made. But those choices that he made, they carried with them their own like uh like the like an exhaust system on a car. Yeah. yeah. And what that was was like bastards and a bunch of people's bellies of crops and uh uh, food store being uh, emptied, trying to house all of these people. And uh, I'm assuming along with that, like the rise and fall of people's vibes, mm-hmm. which carried its own potential echoes and people that ruled as Targaryen leaders after him. It says, well, it's undeniably grand to behold. Such processions created many difficulties for the lords honored by royal visits. So many men were difficult to house and feed, and if the king wished to go hunting, nearby woods would be overrun. (laughs) Even the richest lord would oft find himself impoverished, which is (laughs) such a strong choice of words, by the time the king departed. Just from a visit. Just from a little... I mean, I know these visits were pretty long, but it says, his cellars drunk dry of wine, his larders empty, and half his maid servants... Every time I visit your house, your soda supply... (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. You're like, I have to take out three (laughs) bags of recycling now that you're here. By the way, thanks for the Sprite Zero. Yeah, cheers to that. But um, Jairus resolved to do things differently. I just... The impoverished. You think about like going to the Lannisters the and hanging Lord, out with them. Impoverished. Yeah. 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 So it's such a good visual of kind of the pomp and circumstance. But I mean, you look at what Jaharis is able to accomplish. So he talks about how they don't he doesn't need that many people. He's got his dragons. And the ability for him to be out and about and to jump from place to place, like you said, and not annoy everybody around them. I feel like um does a a huge service and with Alice Ann able to go with him and kind of start her little women's courts and they're just accomplishing so much. Why do you got to minimize it <laughs> as You're a right. woman? Why why do you feel the need to minimize what Ali's up to? Yeah, I was. It's so funny because I was thinking about it in the context of my job where we like go to different towns and host these like a, women's receptions. Specific women yeah. only event. And they're a little bit smaller than But anything. it's part of the larger <laughs> procession. Like I feel like I was laughing because I literally do that in my day to day. All I'm trying to say is just they're able to accomplish so much more. It's not as aggressive and as swaggy, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. as it was before. But yeah. that doesn't mean that you can't get the job done and so I think that's like Jaharis's whole thing as long as he's got Vermithor like he says he's right. like we're good he's like the point it doesn't take all of this to make the point and I think that that sort of uh, that's kind of reflected in later how he deals with 
a lot of the tragedy that happens and just bad news in general in this chapter. It's like, yeah, it's true, but it doesn't have to be handled in a way that Magor would have, for example, or that Anies would have, for example. Both are on the other end of each other's spectrum, but both had results that wouldn't give you a situation where you could be one day called the good king and have the longest reign of a Targaryen king. It just wouldn't have happened. And so that sort of like being able to balance his balance his perspective his i guess his perspective like i said is balanced enough i don't know whether it's from how he was fused growing up or if it's just uh his study or if it's a, if it's a, his a, i guess his study and his awareness are basically the same thing because i'm thinking of his awareness of like what was good about a and the first and his two sisters um well i don't really know where it came from yet because we haven't for the podcast uh you know talked through all of his chapters specifically but my instincts tell me it's a little bit of everything that's the thing about Magor, following someone like Magor, I think about this all the time, it had to produce something that was equally as good or at least way better than everything else because it was so terrible. It's just funny that it ends up being balanced out so well. And that's because of Alison too, because he couldn't have done it all on his own. Um, I'm not sure what you wanted to talk about, but we haven't talked about the maiden pool stuff yet, which is crazy. Yeah, no, I think it was just good to set the stage of kind of them bouncing around. But the maiden pool thing, first of all, <laughs> I was telling you we should you should uh, hang that photo oh, in the, yeah. in the, the illustration on your bathroom wall or something. I'm gonna put it in my office. Yeah, in your office. <laughs> the attack of John Pool's um, pool, the pool that had a structure faded from Westerosi history to bestow healing powers upon who would dip inside of it had a bathhouse a structure itself built around it like all good things have eventually so nice right i want to go there right now mm-hmm. and you uh can't. and at, in maidenpool <laughs> oh yeah there's some places a man cannot go uh so in maidenpool of all places where the maidens got in the pool mm-hmm. uh Jaharis and Alisan took their first real visit of the chapter and the first bit of drama yeah this is the the scene that was illustrated for the book that i definitely want to get printed out and hung in my office because uh, it's an action-packed scene. I think it says a lot about the world and history, and that's really the only reason behind it. Well, and it says a lot about the delicate balance of the faith. And this pops up again at the end of the chapter when they're choosing choosing the new guy in Old Town. But there's still a lot of people who don't buy into this idea of exceptionalism that they've been trying to make the norm. And so... This that comes up here because they think that Alisanne can't get in the water because she's going to tarnish it because she has is carrying the child of her brother. Do you think they really thought that, or if it was, they were just being haters? I think that that's the excuse for them to become haters. You know, I think that people like pick up on one idea that they either don't agree with or they need an excuse to be angry. But mm-hmm. I mean, we see that as they're choosing. The new um, high septum. High septum. I keep wanting to call him the high sparrow, which is like <laughs> <laughs> is it wrong? But as they're choosing the, the new high septum, it's still a major concern that the Targaryens have, and it's something they're going to continue to need to quell. But I thought that was a good reminder at the beginning of the chapter that there's still these people who Jaehaerys and Alysanne are great and cool and doing all this good stuff, but there's still these people who don't agree or don't like it or are trying to find these opportunities to stop what they're doing and so it was a good reminder i think as i was just saying for that instance to come up before we then hear all the concerns about who the not new high septon is going to be because oh for sure yeah. it's seemingly like is this even happening when we're only hearing the highlights and so yeah there's no way to know about who they are right even with 
the campaign of spreading the gospel through song and dance throughout the kingdom and there's no real way for it for it to made an impact on people enough to understand who or to get an idea like we are right now hearing hearing Gildane's flowery account of mm-hmm. the of history right there's no real way for them to understand the day-to-day people that the rulers were in context and a person-to-person basis the like conversations this. they're having you know we think about like in um book four when or when we're wandering through speaking of like Jamie and Bran mm-hmm. or any you know, we're hearing like the conversations that are had in the about in the pubs the on the side of the road, yeah. you know, kind of thing. About the dragon queen. Yeah, you know, kind of what people what the normies are saying mm-hmm. about all of this. And so I know that the people that did this weren't just normies necessarily because they were with the queen and you know, but it kind of shed some light into what's happening to the day with the day to day people. And so it's a pretty dramatic scene and Jaharis is obviously pissed yeah no, now i can't go to the literally, literally wrote, i was gonna go Jay to river yeah so um immediately it says john quill dark is brought into the picture um to be the queen's protector the scarlet shadow so so that's where that all begins <laughs> that's going to be exciting for people to see i know I, i'm I know that a lot of folks are disappointed that's not going to be what the whole Hot D series is about. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, like this is like where the, uh, I mean, we, I guess we could say that the foundation for that character being exciting within the history of uh, the Targaryens was uh, already planted. But, like, this is the, this is the moment where uh, it, this, she had, like, a reason to be, like, harder in right. the story. Right. And, uh I love later, I'd like to skip too far ahead, but when uh, a member of the Kingsguard and uh, Jean Quill fly mm-hmm. on uh, the backs of Jaehaerys and Alysanne's dragons to Old Town, they like uh, trade places so the weight is more distributed. Uh-huh. So yeah. all four of them are flying like west across Westeros. Yeah. So freaking cool. And the way that they land, they don't tell anybody they're going to Old Town. The visual of that was really cool. I thought for a second that she lit the high tower with her dragon. Me too. Yeah. She just landed on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We read just this chapter like, like four times. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. it's on, the, on the second time, it's like, okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a landing. It was I still had, really cool. I had a lot of those observations like sort of get cleared up in this. I just want to point out about uh, John Quill's pool that if you're totally naked, the idea of a knife, even if there's a septa wielding it, Jesus. No yeah. way. Yeah. So they're all flopping around and they're sliding on the stones because they don't have a lot of grip and they're getting assailed at by these crazy looking ladies with stuff wrapped around them. I don't think that they were naked. At least the, the picture depicted that they weren't. Can you imagine if the people coming to attack them were naked too? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> You're like, that's why I want the picture on my wall. That is why I want the picture. <laughs> no, it is it is a crazy moment though. You're right. And uh, that was a weird way to start it out. I think that... uh. I think that is their their age now has like flown out of my mind just because they talk so intelligently mm-hmm. between each other right. and like command this thunderous presence. Anyway, so this is the situation that Alison blames for the reason why the child she was carrying at the time, who I guess we didn't even mention, is like why she was going to the pool because she wanted to. She was pregnant, and so she was. But also, to... it's a tourist thing, you know. Oh, like sure, when you go you to know, a place, you do the thing that they right. do there. But that's like the—I don't know—you go there with something very specific in mind, even though it's a tourist thing, anyway. But you're right, though. She wanted the healing powers of Jonquil's pool. She's would... going to have a baby. It's not fair that men can't do that too, though. Let's be honest. You can get your own pool. 
Well, I guess every other pool is ours, but not right. all of them have <laughs> exactly. not all of them have healing powers, though. <laughs> well, that sucks. Yeah, Aegon the first, the what would have been Aegon the first, was born small and frail, and then he dies. It's really sad, and so Jaehaerys is mad. Jaehaerys so is mad, is but this kind of She's sets more the sad tone. Than mad. As you're talking about, Alison doesn't always go with Jaehaerys. Then yeah, moving no. forward, they have yeah. to be more cautious. Yeah. And I mean, something else that we were. I, maybe we weren't talking about this. This is a conversation I was having in my brain thinking about this. It's just death is like such a visceral thing for these people and it's happening all the time. It's like so many babies in this chapter pass away at this young age, but that's just kind of like how it was back then because medicine was just, you know, what we see. Yeah, that you it thought is. that and a so, pool had a magical healing exactly, powers that exactly. would fix you from so, having a stillborn baby or something. But we lose a lot of kids and there's some pretty like wild birthing situations with Alyssa is pregnant twice in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's, I, like you said, we've read it like four times and every time I, every time I read the paragraph about, I guess we can, we can just skip to that if you want to talk about it right now, but every time I read that paragraph of, uh, when Jaharis pulls Rogar into the room and it's like, <laughs> it's your wife, say the words. Yeah. That, that all the way to the end of it, all the way to the end of, uh, Gildane, uh, or was it Benifer? I forget at the time of uh, contextualizing that for everyone. Whichever truth it was, whichever truth that might have potentially happened, um, whether she did, she, whether she was awake or was asleep when it was happening. Yeah. Either way, holy crap. In and her urine-soaked bed, drenched in sweat. And, and that everything else, I mean, it'd probably be better if we read it, but I, I just to you, imagine everything else it's like a nightmare, kind of, right? It's sort of like a nightmarish, nightmarish scene. It's like the bottom of Birdhouse Skateboards, uh, Tony Hawk's uh, skateboard company. They've all got these like skeleton birds, like uh, pterodactyls and vultures and stuff. For some reason, that the thought of that is coming into my head. And she's laying there. Everything else is completely malnourished and gone, gaunt, all the way down, except all the way down the bone, except for. This massive swollen belly in the middle of this wet and soaked bed. Yeah. And all of these dudes just bent over and being stressed out and her big, strong husband totally ignoring the situation. And losing his mind. Well, And Holy it's really sad crap. because the first time she's pregnant in the chapter, she gives birth to a baby and, you know, the whole thing's fine. So yeah. I, it already, she already kind of lived through this Borman very Baratheon. stressful situation. Borman is... That's a healthy baby name. The squall from a squall from door into the wall. <laughs> yeah, you know. So they've already kind of what a relief. It's like okay, we this happened. It was fine. She's old in old age. What age? She's like forty four or something. Forty seven on the second one. So I forget. Um, I think she's forty four. The first one. And two then three years before. Yeah. yeah. So. 44 in our day and age to have kids it's like she was like 80 in there yeah time. exactly <laughs> you know people you have to be a kardashian to do that now <laughs> right <laughs> but man i'm gonna read some of these passages from that because it's pretty um it's pretty sad so yeah so get sad with us everyone get sad Let's so get the sad they're stuff out of the off way. so this is after they're in um old town we're just gonna jump yeah, around this like is we always do post old town uh you go <laughs> yeah there was they get a raven 
of dire tidings that their mother, Queen Alyssa, was at the point of death. They were like just post-Dondarian. They were like doing a Dornish marches, like sort of a roundabout way to head back after a successful uh, high septum replacement. So the vibes are sort of high. Mm-hmm. We're miss- we're a little homesick, but but Jaharis is glad not to be there. Exactly. And she- Allie's happy if Jaharis is happy. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, enter more bad news. Allison and Jaharis find their mother d- asleep in a bed that stank of urine, drenched in sweat, and gaunt as a crone, save for her swollen belly. A maester, a midwife, and three bedmaids were in attendance on her, each grimmer than the last. Jaharis discovered Lord Rogar seated outside the chamber door, drunk and despairing, which, you know, this is stressful for him. Yeah. Plus, he's home. He's not driving or anything. Right. He can drink, but yeah. (laughs) When the king demanded to know why he was not with his wife, the Lord of Storm's End growled, the stranger's in that room. I can smell him. A cup of wine tinged with sweet sleep was all that allowed Queen Alyssa to sleep. She'd been in agony for hours. She'd been screaming. Um, she's in awful pain. She's not due for a moon's turn. This is no labor, my lord. Something's torn inside her. Babe's dying or will be dead soon. The mother's too old. She's no strength to push and the babe's twisted around. It's no good. They'll be gone by first light. Both of them begging your pardons. That's one of the people who are attending to her. Maester Kyrie did not disagree. When Jaharis, wait, hold on. So then there's a lot of back and forth kind of thing. And they basically say, is there any way that you can save either one of them? And it is said that they could probably save the kid. His words set Queen Alison to weeping. The baby was like twisted inside. Yeah. The king said, only the woman is my mother and a queen. Yeah. He drags Rogar in. The woman, that's my mom and a queen. He drags Rogar in. Pulled, dragged him back into the birthing chamber where he bade the maester repeat what he had just said. She is your wife, King Jaharis reminded Lord Rogar, Rogar. It is for you to say the words. Save my son. In many of the accounts that have come down from us, we are told that Queen Alyssa woke from her sleep before mace, the maester could begin. Though racked by pain and violent convulsions, she cried tears of joy to see her children there. When Allison told her what was about to happen, Alyssa gave her assent, save my babe. I will go to see my boys again. The crone will light my way. Oh. It says, it is pleasant to believe that these are the queen's last word. Sad to say, other accounts tell us her grace died without waking when Maester Kyrie opened her belly. It's On one point, they all agree. Allison held her mother's hand until the very end, essentially. And so even sadder is, I mean, Rogar was hoping that he'd you know, have another son and they get this really weak frail girl and it's just heartbreaking the whole thing and even worse Reyna comes flying in basically at the exact moment girl boss gatekeep gaslight <laughs> <laughs> at the exact time that um Alyssa d- had passed like her it says her body was not even cold yet when Vermithor raised his head from where he had been coiled up in the yard and Dreamfire descended She'd come too late. Queen Alyssa was gone. So lots of family drama to to unfold, but it is a rough scene to that read about. Super rough. So an important character gets born. So, I mean, it's neat that it came from, that Jocelyn came from such a, a important moment, but that's all, if you just put it like that, it would make sense to you. 
You have to read this part. Oh, I'm going to read it. Okay. <laughs> I've got it. I've got it I'm highlighted too. I'm waiting for you to read this line of that Raina says. <laughs> uh, but it's such a bad situation. And I'm so glad that you read because I don't, I, I cannot really read that. Mm-hmm. It's just so sad. It makes me feel so sad. Like I can read it, but then I'll like start crying. It makes me feel so sad. Just knowing that. the amenities of the time. And it's their mom. Yeah. The crone will light my way. It's heartbreaking. Dude. So, uh, I have this down as an own, but I have like four down, so I'm just going to talk about it. <laughs> uh, Raina's mad. That's pretty much Raina in this chapter. I was going to say, which Ra- time? Raina's like, remember Visania? But not even. That's that's kind of like sexist to be like, she's like that other girl, Targaryen. I want to say, you remember Magor? <laughs> right. But of, co- of course, not as bad. It's a different thing. It's not sexist. Maybe it's just unfair. Either way, um, the way that she handles the problems that are coming her way is not like Jaehaerys and Alyson. That's highlighted, especially at the end of the chapter. I mean, how can you steal a dragon if you're a Targaryen too? Just sort of takes the, the keys without telling her mom. Right, of, but not just any dragon. I can't right, of her, of her like actual car, like her truck. You mm-hmm. took my truck and mm-hmm. we have all these other cars. Right. Uh, the one that we don't even drive because it's so old, but we love so much. And... Uh, the way that she was so upset about everything and they were like, they were needing, I, I wrote it down, we'll talk about it in a bit, but uh, um, here's one of those moments where you can understand being, uh, understand her being so upset. Um, but like when we just started to talk about it, you said to make it worse, Raina shows up. So when you say that, I'll read this, but when you say to make it worse, do you think that she made it worse by being the way that she was? Or do you think it was just worse because another one of her kids were there and it was more sad? Like, I'm not sure what you meant exactly. I meant that it, I meant that it was worse that she barely made it. Mm. That she just wasn't able to, that the the whole death scene was really sad. And then Raina was on her way and barely missed it. To me, that's heartbreaking. I mean, I kind of, like you said, I kind of understand her reaction. In this for sure. In this scenario. Yeah. Tensions are really high. You know, and she blames Rogar for getting her pregnant. She's been flying on a dragon the whole way, too. I it's know. pretty insane. Yeah, I Through know. the Stormlands at the very end of it. So, yeah, vision was choppy. Her blood is on your hands. She goes to the, well, she goes to the birthing chamber, now the death room, and uh, chooses to see the body anyway, uh, which makes her really tough. And then she she's offered the baby to hold, and she's like, "Where's Rogar?" Yeah, she's yeah, like, "I'm not yeah. even going to hold the baby." Suck. Yeah, yeah, but also, why would you offer them? I offer her to hold the baby because, because it's, you know, here, the you, connection to your mom. Yeah, this I, baby is just born into your family. Oh yeah, so let me hold it for a second. It's like, okay, all right, you can have it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so of course, but uh, I'm glad it was added in there. It just sort of, uh, I mean, what what it's saying to us is that's. She's not that kind of woman, I guess. Right. Which is kind of unfair that you just assume. I know plenty of guys who love holding babies. Uh, but either way, it is kind of like one of those stereotypes where she's, no matter how mad she is, she sees You're baby Jocelyn. The baby. It'll make and it she feel goes, better. oh man, never mind. <laughs> the baby. Uh, so she does it. And so now we know she means business. And um, she goes downstairs to find Rogar drinking with some of his men and his family. And. Uh, his family, they're having a barbecue outside. No, they were sad because something really bad had just happened. His wife had just died, but he he just had another kid. And Raina marches up between them 
and gets in this guy's face. Her blood is on your hands, she raged at him. Her blood is on your cock. May you die screaming. Well, Rogar Baratheon was outraged by her accusations. <laughs> <laughs> Me? <laughs> what are you saying, woman? This is the will of the gods. The stranger comes for all of us. How could it be my doing? God, imagine you're. What did that, I do? Yeah, can you imagine being in such a fundamentalist situation where you're like the stranger comes for all of us? Right. How could it be my doing? What did I do? You put your cock in her. She gave you one son. That should have been enough. Save my wife. You should have said. But what are wives to men like you? <sighs> if I should hear even a whisper of you taking some other poor maid to wife, I will make another Heron Hall of Storm's End <laughs> with you and her inside it. <sighs> like I said, Whoa. I understand her anger and Rogar. Rogar's response to her initial yeah, what he thing. What, what, what he, he says, what oh, did, yeah, I, what did do? I do? Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And she doesn't even know how much of a wuss he was about it well, either. That's the yeah. Thing. Imagine and she would have killed him. Exactly. Yeah. And, he, and look, it's not necessarily, you know, whatever. The way they don't other have people birth control then. That too, yeah. She's just a, she's just imagining, and you can picture it, like Rogar the bull. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she's imagining this like poor, her poor mother getting forcefully impregnated by Rogar. Right. which is Every night. A very, yeah. Yeah, a very visceral image, sometimes right. maybe twice. It's like he made her pregnant, like extra pregnant, especially because she's at that advanced age that it would have made a difference, right? And so it is really evocative that it would happen to Alyssa after. After all that she's been through at this stage in her life with fucking Rogar Rogar's of all people like, after all this time. He's like, can't you just be happy for me? <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? That I'm still getting it at when my wife is so old. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, you should have been, been proud of your mother for multiple reasons. Right. So funny. <laughs> he's like, what about Andrew Farman, huh? <laughs> What's going on Which with, your, we'll what's going with your marriage? The whole Andrew uh-huh. Farman. Dude. Andrew Foreman, really? Okay, so I remember. Can we skip to that yet? Yeah, I mean, I just well, I want to ask you really quick. Do you um, do you think that Reina? First off, do you think that? Can you read what Rogar said after she left? He was like, "What's eating her?" Basically, right? Didn't he? Did he not say anything extra? Or he like they laughed about well, it? Yeah. She is mad, he declared. Does she think to frighten <laughs> oh, she, me? That, that's how you read it. Oh, I think it was sh- not she is mad. I think it's she is mad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. She is mad. <laughs> he declared. Does she think to frighten me? Me? Mm. I do not fear the wrath of Mager the Cruel. Should I fear hers? Mm. He gre- he, and he summons some wine. Mm. Makes arrangements for his burial. Like well, and then it says it was a sadder king who returned to King's Landing from Storm's End, talking about Jaharis. The yeah. most devout had given him the high septon he desired. The doctrine of exceptionalism would be a tenet of the faith, and he had reached an accord with the powerful high towers of Old Town. But these victories had turned to ashes in his mouth with the death of his mother. Mm. As to your point, though, as you were saying at the beginning of the podcast, Jaharis was not one to brood, however. As he would do so often during his long reign, the king shrugged off his sorrows and plunged himself into the ruling of his realm. And then Queen Alley really kind of loses herself in Daenerys, her daughter. The little princess was a happy child, endlessly curious and utterly fearless. And so they just, she starts, you know, skipping out on small council meetings because she, Jaehaerys throws himself into his work and then Alicent throws herself into her family to cope. 
so but Arena. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about like you wanted to, and then we can talk more about Reina. Let's talk more about uh, Andrew Farman and that whole situation. Uh, Dragonstone, first off, it's got to be magical. It's not just the heat. I know that there it's was a lot damp, of fire. Though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know that the fire in Danny's tent with Drogo and Mary was hot. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you would think that, especially if you're a Sea Lord, paying an arm and a foot for dragon's eggs, a clutch of them, then you, I got an eye roll from that, then you would probably just heat it up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what Hagrid did with right. Norbert's egg. Right. You put it in the kettle. Right. Like, obviously. And right. then keep it warm as they're growing up. Dragons like it hot, Okay. You would think that they would know to do that. So it's not just, it's how Jaharis and Ali son, someone says to them, I think, whenever they they learned about the eggs being stolen, they're like, you know, there might be another dragon lord somewhere if these eggs hatch. And someone's like, well, they need, they're not going to be on Dragonstone, so they're probably not going to hatch. Right. But I don't know about just the heat. Because like you said, it's wet there. And <laughs> there's so many different dragons right now on Dragonstone with Reyna and the whole vibe. And wild dragons, which... When I read Wild Dragons, I think it was the first time it was mentioned in this book so far. Just everything. Not that I didn't know that that was a thing, but just seeing it specifically laid out for me, I was just like, oh, hell yeah. Well, I think about in House of the Dragon, if we get glimpses of just wild dragons around yeah, in the background. like trying to you tame know? a wild dragon, yeah, though. Yeah. Not just that, but the like sheep stealer or something. Like an right. actual, like very specific sequence. Like, uh, I don't want to... Uh, call back to the dragon chase scene or dragon flying roller coaster ride <laughs> no. from season eight, but something yeah. similar, but like done a little bit Jurassic Park like, but like uh, really with the, the they've been they've been uh, depicted as kind of the set piece for us that eventually right. uh, that eventually had a lot of personality, and there's so much dragon personality in this chapter with uh, like you were just saying with Vermithor's reaction to Rainer riding with Dreamfire, then later again, and them really having dog like behavior, mm-hmm. like really, f- but not not only just being like dogs. And people say it often they're like, "Oh, dogs are like their owners," but there seems to be an even more because they're such intelligent animals. Um, and so expressive. There seems to be even more of a kind of a psychic understanding between the companion, between dragon rider and dragon For in this, sure. and the way they reflect just the emotions that are happening. And so knowing that there's these wild dragons out there that can look, at, they have such exotic looks, and uh, um, they pop from probably the muted countryside so much, so much, in a place like Dragonstone, just evocative of so many feelings, like very exciting how that could be um, depicted in Hot D if it does get depicted even one time like that right. would be really cool in a way that also is like not just uh, sensational for selling a TV show but in like a deep high fantasy way that is being talked about here with a level of polish that isn't boring to read not that I've ever read a high fantasy book that has wild ish sort of dragons and stuff and been bored I love that shit but I know a lot of people that we know don't and that a lot of people that we also know could based on the success of Game of Thrones if it's done right. So that made me feel really excited to be able to like, like see that opportunity blossoming out for everyone. I think that there's got to be something going on with Dragonstone that is enough for, we talked about this more in the past, but enough for the Targaryens before them to and before the ones that we started with in this book to want to use it as some sort of an outpost on the way to Westeros. They were looking east 
And eventually, Aegon I started looking west and saying, all right, now it's time to conquer Westeros, or at least to unite these kingdoms for some reason. Now is the time. But why from there? Not just the strategic location. There's tons of islands in the Stepstones, for example. Or you could have literally just gone all the way to, to, to Westeros and settled some shoreline that had good geographic advantage that you know, wasn't in the middle of the water and that no one was around. It would have been just as safe, maybe. I mean, I guess nothing's as safe as having like true right. like water, like a, natu- a natural barrier around you. But still, I feel like there's something going on here that maybe has a similar uh, vibe because I can't think of a better word. <laughs> That's something uh, that like Valyria had, for example, or maybe places like South uh, South Rose, as I call it. But then we get Rose we has. get Daenerys hatches her eggs in a magic tent, though. In a magic tent, magic, but, but in on a, on fire. foreign land, you know, somewhere else. And so, yeah. go on. Well, I just wonder, you know, if it's more about her mm. and the people than it is about the locale necessarily. Damn. But I mean, the whole thing surrounding, Damn. I guess, Daenerys's dragons which i was wondering if the eggs that Alyssa steals in before we were recording i was like is this a stupid question but i was wondering if the eggs that were taken are the ones that and eventually end up in daenerys's care did you find anything about that um i did a brief look and nobody there's no, nothing definitive but some, i think that that sounds good unless they're hatched later in the book and we haven't got to that point yet we don't remember not that i could find interesting so. Um, but anyway, I do think that there's something to Dragonstone, and I think also it makes a lot of sense to have lore built up around it. You know, it's a very powerful place. Sure. But it's hard to say, because if those are Daenerys's dragons, then we don't get any other instances of eggs being stolen and then hatched elsewhere. Yeah. Damn. So, it's hard to say. But Damn. Damn. I wish we had the colors of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love that if that's true. I mean, from what I saw, but the timing, I mean, those eggs were in rotation for a while. And how many dragon eggs are there out there floating in the universe? It was a big deal for these eggs to get stolen. True, and I know there's a true. lot of dragons. There's a lot and of dragons. Talking about and wild, wild dragons. Yeah. yeah. There's so much unaccounted for. Exactly. So it's hard to say, but. But they were purchased. You know, Illyrio got them and presented them as a gift. And he's a free cities guy. They all know each other. I feel like maybe it wouldn't have stayed with the Sea Lord of Bravos. you know? Oh, those things are going to change hands for sure. And locations. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway, it's just a, that's just like kind of a little interesting tidbit. But I, If that is connected, if her dragons are from this era, hell yeah. She's got some old saying. dragon blood too. How cool Get is that? It. it would be such a really cool... It would be such a cool drawback to, well, maybe we'll see, oh, wait, no, this isn't going to be in, I was about to say, maybe we'll see in um, House of the Dragon, it'll be, they'll look the same, but we're not going to see this, I'm assuming, not maybe. in House of the Dragon. But Probably not, unless, th- th- why would there be any reason? But also, at the same time, it'd be, if those are the eggs, for them to be somehow narratively connected between one of the between seasons one through five of hot of hot d if they can think of some kind of reason to, add to the lore to contextualize yeah. it and to connect it to the very beginning of got season one episode really one cool. would be very satisfying it would be really cool yeah so. i mean we got the, the dagger for christ's sake well yeah i mean that's a good point and yeah. we've, you know as we've been looking at the trailer they've got those through lines of Game of Thrones just to kind of make it feel familiar to sure. us. I don't know. It, it might be too might much be a stretch, if it's but, literally just the eggs. But 
a stretch for who? Like, that's what yeah. the hashtag real fans are going to want. We would want, love that, you yeah. Know? That's so. so weird that I haven't thought about it. Like, no one is, I haven't heard anyone say that either personally, but I figured. It's probably an original idea. You, <laughs> no, I was just kidding. It's not. I figured when you looked it up, you would find so many different things. I looked it up for like two seconds before we sat down right. to record. We're like so, super I mean, confident the, right yeah. now. They, they're about to hatch in two chapters. Right, I know. <laughs> no. They're going to go to war with uh, these these rare dragons. Okay. <laughs> cool. So Andrew Farman, the miniature uh, film noir detective mystery series that goes down. I mean, or is it just like Carrie almost, like Stephen, a Stephen King book, you know? I don't know, but it could be its own little separate thing. Oh, for sure. Can I read the beginning? Andrew Farman was no longer the lad that Raina had married five years ago oh, on gosh. Fair Isle when he was 10 and 7. The comely stripling had become puffy-faced, round-shouldered, and fleshy. His wife was a queen, but no one mistook Andrew Farman for a king or even a lord consort. It is such a diss. And I remember when we were talking about him at first, Yeah, we were saying, man, it's so nice that she gets to marry a ra- just a hot rando. Yeah, but he was only 10, though, right? You were like— 10 and 7. I think 17. It, he was 10, I think, originally, though, oh, right? Oh, when, they met, been when years. she met her? No, when he was no longer the— I might be wrong. Yeah, it says had married five years earlier on Fair Isle when he was ten oh, and seventeen. Okay. So he okay. was a little a little haughty. Yeah, yeah, a little seventeen year old haughty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he got comfortable. Right. That's and of age in Westeros. I heard you say. You were like, technically that's of age when you oh, saw his description. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's an of age haughty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they dunk on Andrew Farman. It makes you understand why he did almost understand why he did all the things that he did. He gets dunked on. So many times. It talks about his bedchamber. It says his own bedchamber was altogether a different tower from hers, from um, Reyna's. The gossips at court said the queen told him that it was better that they slept apart so he need not be disturbed if he should find some pretty maid to warm his bed. There is no indication that he ever did. He did not swim (laughs) or sail or fish. My official breakdown. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is my stuff. He did not swim or sail or fish. A failed squire. He had no skill with a sword or axe or spear. Thinking that he might be of bookish disposition, Maester Culpepper tried to interest him in the treasures of Dragonstone's library, but blah, 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 blah. The queen's husband could not read. He rode passably well. Culper, not Culpepper. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm reading fast. My bad, my bad. He talks about how he... It's like there's someone named Culpepper. Sorry, <laughs> I was reading quickly. George is like, I do love the NFL. Here we go. <laughs> he drinks a deal. And he just spends in time and the painted table moving painted soldiers around the map, which, you know, it is what it is. He's playing D&D. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, I just thought it was so funny. I mean, it's also really sad, but they're just dunking on Andrew so much. It makes you understand why he was driven. So then his sister leaves, like his only potential person that's even looking out for him and so now he's just left with all these people that don't take him seriously because he (laughs) can't be taken seriously but um he asked reyna to go to storm's end with her to fly along saying that i'm your husband and i should be there with you she's like what what could you possibly do but fall off the dragon (sighs) that is so mean that is so mean. Queen Arena's denial of his wish to go with her to Storm's End was but the latest in the last of a long string of humiliations. All because he got puffy. I know, which is not fair. He's just happily married. Leave him alone. 
Anyway, my my name has turned many times in this chapter, but so um, then the mystery ensues. So all of a sudden, we get this mysterious signal. Wait, that you got to talk about stone. the scene that happens right before that. This is the turning point. He walks into the. I'm imagining like a little lunchroom area. I forget how it's described. And uh, she's eating with her friends. Okay, all her girlfriends, all her girlies are there, and they're just eating breakfast, having a good time. Her favorites. And Andrea walks in, and he suggests that since the people that were fired, like, Rada basically got rid of the whole staff, which is a very Magor move, after Alyssa ran off with the eggs and no one was able to give her concrete details that were helpful at all or to say that they saw anything whatsoever, that all these people on Dragonstone, which is not that big of a place, and there's not that many different people that could retake these jobs. He decides to fire them all. There needed to be a new commander of the Watch. And he suggests that it be him, because he's really been useless this whole time. He's like, just give me something to do where I don't feel completely useless and maybe even be a little bit less bored. And they all, they're they're mid-eating, and they're all, lat- they've got food falling out of their mouths. Mm-hmm. They're like hitting the table like a bunch of bros. Like, and they're <laughs> laughing, spilling, spilling the morning champagne. Yeah. And they just, these all of these ladies that are probably a few years older than him uh-huh. just rip him up. Right. Just laugh so hard at him. And that was the turning point. I think it was like, uh, it was later that year. So I don't know. I guess he had to make a plan of it. It was later that year. Uh, and uh, Maester Culpepper <laughs> was, the, uh, was the first one to die. Yep. And if you wanted to read more. He was the first to die, and then I'll kind of skip around a little bit, kind of describing the scene. It says, Casella Staunton was the next to succumb, then Septimirian was sickened, and Elaine Royce, and even big boisterous Sam Stokeworth, who liked to boast that she'd never been sick a day in her life. All three died the same night within hours of one another. Brandon Targaryen herself remained untouched, though her friends and dear companions were being felled one by one. It was here her Valyrian blood that saved her, Maester Anselm suggested. Only women were struck down aside from Maester Culliper. And so the, dra- the gates of Dragonscone. Dragonscone. Mm. <laughs> now I feel nervous that I'm going to mispronounce stuff. Um, the gates of Dragonstone get closed and everybody is stressing out and freaking out. And more and more people pass away. And one of them, it says, Lyanna Valerian died even as her uncle's galleys were pushing off from Driftmark. Maester, <laughs> Zach just tweeted, Dragonscone. <laughs> Get out. Maester Anselm had purged her, bled her, and covered her with ice, but to no avail. She died in Raina's arms, convulsing as a queen wept bitter tears. You weep for her, Andrew Farman said when he saw the tears on his wife's face, but would you weep for me? What a weird thing to walk in and say. Yeah, it's she hilarious. Known then. His words woke a fury in the queen, commanded him to leave her, being because she's going to be alone. You shall be, or declaring that she wanted to be left alone. You shall be, Andrew said. She was the last of them. So nobody understands what's going on. And I think it's so funny. It's Rego Draz, the um, master of coin. The man. Who's... The up-jump spice monger. Yeah, everybody's, <laughs> you know, what is going on? And he's like... Oh, this is uh, obvious. This is so obvious. <laughs> it's the tears of Lise. He's like, the maester died first, guys. Right. Obviously, Poison, this was a plot. Poison Harris was in shock. And then, and they're like, it's so dishonorable to do poison. 
And then they realize everything starts unraveling really quickly. And so finally they understood. They're like, only women got poisoned. So only the women got the poison, right. he says. <laughs> they're duh. like, duh. So then they realize what's going on. And everyone's like running around Dragonstone trying to find Andrew Farmer was not to be found they're in the bedchamber. We're looking in the outhouses. High, low, everywhere, <laughs> round and round and round. They discover the maester Anselm was also dead. They got to keep killing the, the shoulder blades. <laughs> He probably confronted him. He didn't have any poison for him. To get. And they're like, maybe he took a dragon. And Raina says, my worm of a husband does not have the courage for that. Andrew Farman was located at last in the chamber of the painted table, a long sword clutched in his grasp. He made no attempt to deny the poisonings. Instead, he boasted. I brought them cups of wine and they drank. They thanked me and they drank. Why not? A cupbearer, a serving man. That's how they saw me. Andrew the sweet, Andrew the jape. What could I do but fall off the dragon? Well, I could have done a lot of things. I could have been a lord. I could have made laws and been wise and given you counsel. I could have killed your enemies as easily as I killed your friends. I could have given you children. Raina Targaryen did not deign to reply to him. Instead, she spoke to her guards saying, take him and geld him and staunch him. <sighs> And staunch the wound. wound, And then he has to do some <laughs> terrible things. And feed his cock and balls to him. I don't even need to read. I remember that. She wanted him to eat it. Do not let him die until he's eaten every bite. <laughs> and he goes, aha! <laughs> no, Andrew Farman said as they moved towards the painted table to grasp him. My wife can fly and so can I. And so saying, he slashed ineffectually <sighs> at the nearest man. <sighs> which, why do they have to dunk on him one last time? Backed to the window behind him and leapt out. His flight was a short one downward to his death. Splat. Afterward, Raina Targaryen had his body hacked to pieces and fed to her dragons. I think she should have left him whole. Let the dragons just rip him apart. Right. Man, I love this little vignette of all this drama because, you know... It's so personal. Like, it's so, mm-hmm. it's such interpersonal kind of cattiness. And it's just marital drama. Uh-huh. It's like a husband and wife are just in a fight, but it just so happens to be on Dragonstone. Yeah. And there's poison and yep. there's all these really important people around. Yeah. And this poor man who just is out here who just could never hang. He sounds like a gamer to me. Oh, okay. Do you want to know why? Here, why? Listen to this. Listen to this. If he was a gamer, he drinks he a dill. Maester Culper wrote the Citadel and has been known to spend entire days in the chamber of the painted table, moving painted wooden soldiers about the map. He does sound <laughs> about the map, right? <laughs> yeah, he's just moving these little characters around. And he's like, I could have been a lot, you know, my lady. Right, 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 right. He's like, I, I rule kingdoms all the time yeah, exactly. from my painted table, exactly. And none of these ladies would give him any attention, uh-huh. so he decided to. Kill him. I mean, this, no one's ever done that because they were an incel before, right? right? Exactly, or because they, nobody paid attention to them. Yeah, right. Man. It's a great little story. Mm-hmm. Who do you hate that you based Andro Foreman on? Just, <laughs> That's what right. I want to know about right. <laughs> George. This area once in emptied a chamber pot. You forgot to mention this on his head, uh, not for anything he did, but because <laughs> she was uh, wroth with her mother. Man, getting dunked, or yeah, and dumped on. Both physically pot. and mentally. I wonder if it was hers. Probably. Oh, Jesus. What's worse, someone else's or your own? Uh, Ugh. Someone else's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no. Rest in peace. Yeah, splat. So but, she's dealing with a lot. Well, and, you know. Once the dragon eggs got lost. And she Raina, looks like a dork now. It doesn't get any better because her daughter seems to be a little bit of a terror. Alison, so Alison flies to Dragonstone to kind of try to help the situation. 
but nothing is working, essentially. And Raina keeps trying to send her away. You have everything. I have nothing. And so Alessand tries to handle Aria and, like, help the yeah, situation. Yeah, Aria's, like, whenever she, not to interrupt you, I just want, I gotta say that Aria, like, brings up the thing that she's always asking her mom. Right, right. And she's like, well, I can't guarantee it, but I can ask her for you. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> and then that says what Raina says, what you said. She's like, you're trying to take literally everything from me, and now you're trying to take my kid. Right. But, like, she doesn't know that Aria's been, like, hounding her mom about it for the longest time. Right. She's the innocent party in this. And that's the thing. Raina never gives her, like, a little bit. I know that she's perpetually pissed off about a lot of things. But, I mean, since when is doubling down and being, like, me to Alison going to help you? Well, exactly. And I think especially with, with Aria, I know she is a little bit of a wild child. But she's also her... a child. That's the second part of that word. She's a child. Yeah. But her mom never... So when she brings her from King's Landing back to Dragonstone, it just seems like she just assumes that because I'm her mom, she's going to be obsessed with me. She doesn't even try. Like, there's no mention of of Reyna ever doing anything other than... Trying to give her a dragon. Yeah. Early oh, that's, on. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. You're right. My bad. But I guess she doesn't really take to it. So Reyna's like, all right, not really for me then. She's just friends with all the dragons, but she doesn't specifically like fly her own yeah fly yeah. her own so she, and so, so she is taken but not in the same way I guess that Raina would have vibed with or maybe maybe she did vibe with it but still just ignored the situation she just seemed like she liked girls her age and getting drunk and having a good time and just being mad in general right to the then detriment of I mean obviously she loves her kid because when she goes missing she freaks out she freaks out yeah, I, she I mean her she kid would for sure. of yeah. course she does but so she you know, they're in King's Landing about to do this celebration for the Dragon Pit, and they're all getting excited because they're going to throw a big party. And then we get this point that you were kind of talking about with the dragons being um, in tune with their peeps. This is Raina because she flies into King's other. Landing and in a rage, and it says, It may well be that the dragons somehow sensed an echo, or somehow sense and echo the moods of their riders. Where Dreamfire came down on the cloud like a raging storm that day. And Silverwing and Vermithor, they almost all fought because the vibe was just so big and yeah. mad and yeah. angry as Raina comes down, you know, looking for Aria and realizing that she's not at King's Landing. She's like, who did I give birth to, essentially? And so for seven days, they allow her to go looking. So anyway, I forgot to mention that Aria took Balerion of all people, which I just love the image of... This girl taking this huge, I mean, even at this point, Balerion was this lauded, ancient Oh, for sure, yeah. Dragon, you know? Aegon one and Magor's old dragon. They yeah. look for seven days, and then finally, Reyna leaves herself and says, neither mother or daughter has was seen or heard from again during the what little remained of that cruel year. So, Reyna just really is taking up losses this whole, this whole chapter. And so, I really do feel for her. Because I think that um, she, like, doesn't help herself necessarily. But having her kid run away is really sad, so. She busts up to Jairus and Alisson. Like, what did I give birth to? What did I give birth to? And Alisson's, like, uh, a scared girl, a child, a scared girl. And uh, she's like, what are we going to do about this? And Jairus says, uh... We will learn. Or she'll, where? Where? What are we gonna do about this? Where is Balerion? And she's so upset. And, and he says, "We will learn soon enough. Calm as ever." And I think in that moment we get that 
it, I mean, Raina's said it before. Like, oh, I'm Visania in this right. situation, right? right? Like, we get that sort of a very clear context being painted, and it's sort of happening again, you know? Right. Almost the same. I'm almost the same thing that happened before. And um, it didn't really end that well for her either. And uh, we're going to play it out. We're not going to talk about the rest of her, of Raina's timeline. We'll We'll play it out, but... Um, you would think at some point you would just maybe pay attention to what's happening, but I don't know if everyone's that way, I guess. It's also hard to see, I think, when you're, when you're in it and your mom is dying and your husband is a little weirdo and your daughter runs away and you're on Dragonstone trying to make things work and, you know, things like that. Um, I think it would be really hard to get out of your own head and... Especially when you're in a position of power like that and you're surrounded by people that are all just trying to make you feel good 24-7. They kind of feed into your insecurities and into your um, downfalls. Yeah, weaknesses is a better phrase. So I feel for her. But like you said, we'll talk, we'll let that play out kind of as we continue to read on in the chapters. Rogar hears about this and he's like, she couldn't even keep three dragon eggs on the island. Hmm. <laughs> I don't have to be worried about her. Right. Takes a new wife. <laughs> I guess I'm ready to go to Owns, but I just want to throw in a few honorable mentions before we get there. Um, the Widow's Law, something that Ali San got pushed through as one of what will become Ali San's laws. Um, basically protecting the wives of men who, or sorry, the, the children of men who take new wives like noble people that have this is just really basic stuff, right? That hasn't, I guess, without it needing to explain to us, it, yeah. it seems like why we're I, why are we giving why are we getting this context? And I think it's to further illustrate how simple the times still are, even though it feels like we're so much further ahead than where we were before. Um. Also, there's been a lot of negative talk about. Rago draws and what kind of a guy he is. He's the master oh, of coin yeah. now. He's Pinto. He's Pintoshi. People don't like him because he's got that weird bat-headed, big-breasted uh, symbol statue he keeps as the only thing that he needs to worship. He's mm-hmm. like, she's all the god I need. <laughs> that's that's I guess part of it, or at least symbolic or representative of why this outsider is not liked. But when he comes up with that gate tax, I feel like that moment. The the coinery or the the store of money for King's Landing for the Targaryen dynasty must just turn around for good. Like I bet this is responsible for most of the reason why everything was good for Jaehaerys moving forward. Because you think about how many people constantly going in and out right. of King's Landing. Think about how much money you give to Easy Pass living I know, on the East I know. Coast. <laughs> I was just right? saying. When I was a kid, I used to think that the people there got to keep that money. At the gate? Yeah. Oh, my God. Wouldn't <laughs> but, that be nice? But it's true. I mean, it's such a sustainable solution to Dude. this problem that they've been having. Yeah, the spice. Remember, we were excited about the spice taxes before, the right. fineries. This is even better. It's even better. We, I didn't even think of that, but it's so true. How much money do you pay in Easy Pass a week? I don't even know. You don't even want to know. I don't want to know. Too much. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's at the point where it's just automatically pulled out of my savings. Right. So it just, it goes away. How many easy pass notices do I have that are like late due? Yeah, those (laughs) two. At least two right now. Yeah. How many many easy pass notices do I have when their chip fails and my late fee is more than a month of easy passes? Hmm. It's such a sustainable 
way to solve this issue. He's smart. That was my point. Yeah. Like, he's weird, but, like, he's the one who under—he cracked the Tears of Lease thing. Sometimes you need somebody, and Jaharis does a good job of this also when he's um, looking for his new hand. Mm -hmm. He—the something I like about him is he— is just looking outside the box for people who actually can be good and interesting at the job and not just the typical standard lord from one of the big houses. He's actually just kind of looking for people who might be a little bit different, like the wife and this guy and this acorn guy. <laughs> acorn guy. <Yeah. laughs> anyway, bear with me. You guys, you know what I'm trying to say. But... um. He, even though there isn't really a status quo at this point, he still is like searching outside of what would be seemingly a more traditional choice. I like when the when Massey was like, "You can't pick me. I know I'm a good choice, but I look so weird yeah. <laughs> that, that people wouldn't follow me." And uh, it's not because they're, they'd be afraid that I wasn't smart. Like I would just, I look like a bad guy. <laughs> I can't be the hand of the king to you right now. Mm -hmm. I literally look like a bad guy. I think he's getting desperate enough almost to pick just any guy that he can trust though but i guess that's right like uh, it's outside of the that is outside of the box i mean he needs uh i don't know rogar i'm looking for my own um, and i'm also making sure we covered all of the big stuff i got it right here we never oh one thing that we didn't mention which is simply just something to mention in passing is that corliss valerian was born in the chapter mm -hmm. the sea snake mm -hmm. so we're I every time there's somebody who's a hot D character, I'm like, let's go, you know. So he was born. Also, Damon Valerian. The reason we're talking about the hand stepped down from being hand of the king. It has to be mentioned because there's so much bad stuff going on, right? And especially after Alyssa died, he was just like, okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and he was like, I want to be with my family. Yeah, <laughs> I want to be with my family. And it was his niece that was one of the girls that died on right, Dragonstone. He, they tried to go get her. Yeah, yeah. they tried. Yeah, they tried to get her. And the second they like set set off, uh, she was one of the people taken out by the mm -hmm. poison. And so he was just like, I don't want to be wrapped up with this family anymore. I'm old. I want to retire. Which I get. So maybe just pick the up jump spice monger, even though he's from far away. I'm saying he's done pretty good so far. <laughs> oh yeah, Dragonstone went on lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh boy. Are we ready to go to Owns? Yeah. I think I'm gonna have two, if that's cool. I there we are, we already read so many of my owns that I wanted to that I saved at the beginning. Most of them were like dunking on Andro and Another one that I had saved for an own. I can't remember exactly right now, but so I'm going to kind of pivot a little bit. But I wanted to give my own one just in general to the description of King's Landing and kind of how Jaharis hates it and he wants to make it better. And I liked how they were describing how everything was so clumped together that basically you could jump from house to house through each window. So cool. And so I loved that description. I thought it really... Um, drew a lot of light on what it was like to be in King's Landing. And I wanted to read this passage from my other own when Jaharis and Alasan arrive at Old Town because I just thought that the visual of this was really cool. So I'm going to read this paragraph really quick for my own. It says, The unexpected arrival of Vermithor and Silverwing at Old Town brought thousands to the streets to point and stare. 
No word of their coming had been sent ahead, and there were many in the city who were frightened, wondering what this might pretend. May none perhaps more than Septon Matthias, who turned pale as he, when he was told. Jaharis brought down Vermithor on the wide marble plaza outside the starry sept, but when it was his but it was his queen who made the city gasp when Silverwing alighted the top of High Tower itself, the beating of her wings fanning the flames of its famous beacon. Oh, that's so cool. It's such a great visual. <sighs> so that's what I wanted to give my own to today. Allison doesn't get enough, uh, enough like uh, style points, you know? I know. Like she has got style points. And I know they're coming. I know more are coming. I guess people do love her and she has a lot of renown, but style points. Um, my own is given to. Archmaester Gildan for the asterisk he put after Rogar responded oh, yes. to Reyna uh-huh. uh, about, uh, pff, why should I be scared of her? I don't even know why I should be scared of her. I dealt with Magor. I'm, I'm totally not worried. There's an asterisk at the very end of the chapter, and it's after um, this line, neither mother nor dragon was seen or heard from again during what little remained of that cruel year context on area and reina just thrown in the little one asterisk there's been some rogar baratheon never wet again <laughs> it's such a great way i'm glad it wasn't like a little parentheses it was just at yeah. the bottom. it was oh, so yeah. yeah it made yeah. it really funny yeah so. no this was a good chapter it was big there was a lot to cover so i yes. hope if you if we covered something or if we didn't cover something that you wanted to mention, make sure to tweet at us or shoot us a message on Instagram and we can give you the RT so that everybody can see all the things that, you know, maybe we missed. But we did have a couple owns that we wanted to read from some of you. On Twitter from Sexual Jazz at Ghost Chase Killa, my own for birth, death, and betrayal makes me sad. Owned Omega or the Cruel for so badly damaging Raina that she screwed all her relationships and pushed away everyone she loved. They were all destroyed by it. Magor owning the Targaryens still long after his death. Except for Alyssa Farman, who gets an own for her herself for making it out of Dragonstone <laughs> intact, physically and mentally. This lady rules. Real, real talk. I think you mean Alice Westhill, by the way. <laughs> right, well. Um, next we have at Straight Savage Cole, who says such an epic chapter, so I have a few owns. First, my main own for birth, death, and betrayal under King Jaehaerys the First goes to Queen of the East, Reyna, when she says, She is Rainey's and I am Visenya. I have never thought otherwise to King Jaehaerys in relation to herself and Queen Alison. I thought that was very powerful and poignant, especially in the context it was used. A second own goes to Queen Reyna for how she planned to deal with her husband, Andro's poisonous treachery by having him gelded and kept alive long enough so that he ate every bite after they had been fried up. Brutal. Alas, alas, Andro Farman jumped out of the window to the chamber of the painted table to his death before Reyna's revenge could be bestowed upon him. I did like the nice touch of having him cut up and fed to her dragon, so. Honorary own to the mention of Balerion still kicking. I would have yeah. liked to see a comparison of him with Drogon. Which actually brings up such a good point about um, how Balerion is supposed to be this insanely huge dragon. And, you know, Drogon, especially after we, you know, in season eight, Drogon is huge and fierce. And so what are the dragons going to look like in House of the Dragon for real, you know? They got to be big. Yeah. So. Yeah. Especially if Balerion's still flying around because he's the one that we're comparing him to. We right. don't have anyone to compare the dragons to other than the fact that they were babies at right. one point. So are they? how big are they really? Exactly. And, well, you we know, see since- them kind of, we get the skulls in... The Red Keep. That's true. You're right. Yeah, but still, like, inside of the head, like, human right. skulls don't look right. the same as our whole heads do. 
I think that you're right about the dragon eggs and that Drogon is Valerian's son. Both. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's still kicking. He's right. still kicking around. He's an egg from that era. Come hang out with us for all the hot takes. If you want to send in your owns for this chapter or for the next chapter or for any chapter, there's so much news happening all the time. Just send in your owns. You can find us at contact at gameofbones.com or email us at contact gameofbones.com or find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, on OnlyFans by searching for Game of Bones. She's right, especially on OnlyFans. And uh, our next chapter is, I love the title of it so far. It's Jaharis and Ali San. Their triumphs and tragedies. So we're we're still on topic. We're staying on topic. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be burning through this book between now and Hot D. And uh, hopefully more of those chapters are like this. And by the time we all get to that new show together, we are going to be so ready. Our swords are going to be so sharp. I can't wait. So write in your stuff if you want to. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye.